All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Did Livy riz up Baby Gronk or did Baby Gronk live up, riz up Livy? Liam, we're getting into it with the lead. I'm going to take a stab and say like 10% of our viewers understand that reference at all. Do you get it, Liam? Uh, L- Lizzie? Like, who is, I don't, I don't know who Lizzie is. Yeah, you got to get more plugged into the TikTok world, Liam. That's what you need to do. Do you know who baby Gronk is? I, I know who his dad is. A bit of a lunatic. Yeah, he seems insane. Uh, We're not actually going to talk about that, but it's been my entire TikTok feed for the last 48 hours. So yeah, figured we should start there. Uh, But we'll get into the actual hockey talk here. We do have a full show and we are live on a new streaming platform as well, which, which means we should finally have our connection issue solved. It only took us nearly 200 episodes of the show mm-hmm. to figure it out. Welcome into the Sports Closet studio. Get all your summer sports apparel needs at sportscloset.ca or or you can find them one of their three Edmonton area locations. Kingsway Mall, St. Albert Mall, Sherwood Park Mall. We are live on the Oilers Nation YouTube as always where Brian is in with the first comment. And he says, I think the better question is, do we really want a rookie GM taking over right in the middle of our window and how will McDavid and Drysaddle's next contracts be affected by it? Yes, a big question today with the news that came out of Ottawa. Michael Andlauer is going to be the new owner of the Ottawa Senators and he's an interesting guy when you kind of look at his hockey career, we'll call it. We won't talk about his business career, but he's a guy who's been plugged into the NHL world for a very long time. And you'll see how this all circles back to the Oilers in just a second. 2003, he becomes a co-owner of the Hamilton Bulldogs, back when they were an American Hockey League team. 
He eventually goes on and sells that team to the Montreal Canadiens. He acquired a stake in the Canadians as well in 2009, which then led to him kind of being a part of the decision-making and the ownership of that franchise. But then when he sold the Hamilton Bulldogs AHL team to the Canadians and they moved it, he went and bought the Belleville Bulls in the Ontario Hockey League, then moved them back to Hamilton, keeping the team, keeping a team in Hamilton of some sorts. Who did he hire to run that team? Steve Steos. I also think there was a financial partnership between Steos and Ann Lauer as well. Steos builds up that OHL team. They win a Memorial Cup. Ann Lauer and Steos are very close. This guy's the new owner of the Ottawa Senators. Steve Steos is an up-and-coming executive in NHL circles. He's currently working in the Oilers front office. He's the guy a lot of people believe is going to take over for Ken Holland at the end of next season. Some people thought it was going to happen as early as this offseason. Ken Holland wants to hold on to his job for one more year. He wants to try win a Stanley Cup here in Edmonton. So now it's leading to the question of, is Steos really going to be the next GM of the Oilers? Will he wait out Ken Holland's contract and then take over? Or does he want to go work with his buddy Michael Landlauer in Ottawa and take over that front office there? It's an interesting thing, Liam, and it actually does have a pretty big impact on the future of the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's interesting, isn't it? Because Steos obviously has ties for it to both parties. And this is something I think, uh, what was it, probably three or four weeks ago now, we thought maybe would have already happened, that Steve Sales might already be the Oilers general manager, but obviously that hasn't come to the front yet. So I don't know. This is an interesting one. I'm a little torn on how much I truly care if Steve Stales is the general manager of the Oilers or not, to be honest. like In one way, like I think it's he looks like he knows a lot about what he needs to do and to get the others in the right direction. He took the Hamilton Bulldogs to the Memorial Cup that one year too, but also like someone, whoever it was in the chat mentioned, like, do the others really want a rookie GM at this moment in time? Maybe the veteran in Ken Holland is what the others need. And I'm kind of on the train of allowing Ken Holland just to finish this thing out. And then whatever happens with Stales happens. Yeah, I mean, he is under contract with the Edmonton Oilers, right? So if they don't want to let him go, mm. they not let him go. And if he wants to quit, then he can sit idle for a year and then take over the Sens job next offseason. But then I would argue, well, if you're just going to wait a year to take over the Sens job, wait a year to take over the Oilers job and have a team with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. But there's other wrinkles to that, right? If he really is tight with and Lauer and wants to work with them, that could affect things. Frank Cervalli is going to be on the show tomorrow. We're giving Frank kind of... 36 hours to get as much info as he can and then report back to us on what could be happening with all of this. Uh, Ravina is in and says, I don't see a reason to get rid of Ken just yet. This isn't about getting rid of Ken. This is about Ken Holland wanting to retire, man. He doesn't want to work past this next season. Simple as that. He's going to run out his contract. He's going to say, thank you very much. And the Oilers will likely need to find a new general manager. Other names, I think, that you could see in that conversation is a guy like Brad Holland. I know some people will be screaming nepotism or whatever, but this is a guy who's really smart, analytical approach to things. Like I would have no problem if Brad Holland ended up being the GM or you could look at outside hires as well. Peter Shirelli, well, maybe not. Um, <laughs> Probably get an interview. When you look around the league or when you look around the hockey landscape, yeah, like there's always going to be GM candidates that you know of and you've heard of. But look at the Toronto hiring thing, for instance. Brad Tree Living kind of fell into their lap and he was named a candidate and there really wasn't a whole heck of a lot else. It was like Doug Wilson, Peter Shirelli. No one seemed like a legit candidate outside of Brad Tree Living. 
So are you going to run out a year and go, well, we hope someone shakes loose that we like, because if you're the Oilers, I, I'm, I don't think you're hiring a Doug Wilson or I don't think you're hiring. Well, obviously not Shirelli, but you know, you're, I think you need to go with someone new. And if you have a guy like Steos who is new in your organization and who you trust to be your future GM, you do not let him walk. And maybe that involves having a tougher conversation with Ken Holland than you thought. Yeah, I mean, if this really does start going in the direction that Steos is going to become the Senator's new general manager, then maybe that's something the Oilers have to push ahead a little bit quicker than they wanted to, right? Maybe they have to say to Holland, like, hey, this isn't really your your option anymore. You're presidents of hockey operations and Steos is a general manager. And it's probably, I don't know, like I'm super torn on it because I, th- I think Holland needs to be around, around him one way or another, but... Maybe Steos is the guy. I just need to learn a bit more about him, I guess you could say. Yeah. Like, and I think Christopher Palmer asked, he's like kind of an analytics guy, but kind of like in the middle of it all, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I think he's got like a pretty progressive modern hockey mind. Reed is in and says, you heard it here first, people. Tyler says, old Uncle Ken to retire. It's actually not me saying it. Frank said it. Every insider's kind of said it at one point or another. The expectation is that Ken Holland won't. He wants to retire. And like, how could you blame him, man? Been a GM for a long ass time. He's made a lot of money, twenty five million from Daryl Cates and the Edmonton Oilers, plus what he had in Detroit. It's you know one of those things. I don't think Ken Holland's quitting. That's not the story. That won't be the headline. But everyone wants to retire at some point. So mm-hmm. an interesting one. That's our Sherwood Ford Giant offseason question for the day. If Steos does go, who could be the Oilers' next GM? It's brought to you by Sherwood Ford. Throughout the month of June, Sherwood Ford will be making a donation to the Strathcona Community Hospital Foundation for every test drive taken by you, the consumer. So it's going to a good cause, and you can get yourself in a brand new Ford, courtesy of Sherwood Ford. The Giant, a lot of people saying, I can't tell if you're all saying Duncan Keith or Keith Gretzky. Either way, I don't either of those as super realistic. I think it would, I think they want to go with a bit of a new, fresh face in that spot. And I think that's why they like Steve Steos. I think that's why they kind of headhunted Steos and brought him in last year as well. They like the guy. Bison King Stan says Sean Horkoff is our future GM. That's actually probably a decent name to keep in mind as well. We know the owner likes to hire former Oilers, right? Like, that's kind of his thing. I think that's why Steos is here and held in such a high regard to some extent. I don't want that to fully overshadow. I think he's a really smart hockey mind. I don't think it's fully like a old boys club kind of thing. So, I don't know. It's interesting, man. This is the one guy. We heard it. If Andlauer wins the bid and gets the sends, Steos is going to be high on his list. And what did Frank tell us a month ago? The Oilers plan on being very protective and proactive in ensuring Steve Steos stays in their organization. So I just think there's a bit more of a timeline or a clock on this thing now, and there might need to be a bit more of a sense of urgency for the Edmonton Oilers and all this. That's all. Does it affect Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl's next contracts? No. I Listen, I think you or I could probably negotiate those deals, Liam. Those guys, to an extent, yes. will name their, they'll name their own price, bro. It's not like you're going to squeeze Connor McDavid for 250 grand and be like, ah, oh, we'll walk away. We'll leave if we don't get you under 16 mil, Connor. Like, come on. Anyone can negotiate those. I think the Oilers will hand both of them just contracts with lines on it. Mm-hmm. And then they just have to fill in the blanks. And then they'll just, you sign it, they sign it, submit it. And then we're good to go for eight more years. Also, when McDavid and Drysaddle signed those contracts, Holland wasn't even the general manager, was he? Wasn't that Shirelli on both of them? Baby. Yeah. So, yeah, Pistol Pete did something right. Maybe he should be interviewed for the next GM job here. Maybe we're on to something. Yeah. 
Ravina, I think, uh, dropped an interesting point in here as well. I think Ken wants to leave with a bang. He knows it's his last year and it can add to his legacy one more year. I think it's a good idea to start thinking about who can help this team moving forward. Yeah, I, you know, man, I would not be surprised. Like the stuff I kind of heard was that Ken Holland was fired up at the end of the season. He really felt like this was his opportunity to win another ring. He felt like he had built the right group here. I don't know if like sour is the right word, but he was very motivated to get back. And I think that's maybe part of the reason why you didn't see the Steos to GM move happen already is because Ken Holland wants to try win this thing, man. Like if you think he's just kicking his feet up and coasting through his final year, you're mistaken. And that's why I think there's going to start being a little bit more smoke around things like a Travis Konechny rumor. You know, Ken Holland doesn't invest in green bananas, Liam. And I think mm. there's a that uh, we have at some point we see Ken Holland take one more big swing like he did with Ekholm. Because he'll sit there and go, hey, I'm not going to see that first round pick. I might not be at the draft next summer. I'll move <laughs> it. I don't care. I I think too, like you're saying how fired up he was. Just watch his exit interview. Like I, I don't think he even takes any kind of inside sources to tell you how Ken Holland was feeling. He he called the Stanley Cup, uh, what do you call it, a party or whatever he did, an endless party. Yeah. So he, he wants to party till the end of the night. And hopefully that end never comes for Kent and Holland in his eyes. So I think uh, I think he's ready to go still. Yeah, uh, that's our short for giant offseason question centered around who could be the GM of this team. What's going on? Is Steve Stales leaving? Who knows? Uh, we are also going to continue on with our Pacific Division offseason previews today. We had our pal David Quadrelli on the show last week. And uh, today we're going to be joined by Ryan Pinder. He's one third of Barnburner down in Calgary. He's hopping in on the Star Mechanical guest line from our studios down in Calgary. Pinder, what's going on, man? How was the show today? Uh, decent. I mean, we we finished with two thirds of the cast, so there was a little drama along the way. Um, usually, we blame tech issues, but it was a case of the feels today. I think so. It's a heated debate, really. Heated debate. What are the big debates in Calgary right now? In Edmonton, you know, there's a lot of thing. Everyone wants to know what it'll take to get Travis Konechny in here. There's talk about the next GM, how they're going to create cap space. What's sort of the one major headline for the Flames heading into this offseason? Well, they've got seven free agents at the end of next year. Not now, next year. So this is the summer you can extend them. You can gauge what their value is on the trade market. And you could also, in theory, say, look, we're going to carry these guys into the season. And depending on how things are going... We'll move them in season or run the risk of walking them right to free agency. And this is all right in the scar tissue of a lot of the major events we've seen in the last calendar year. Johnny Gaudreau going right down to 11.59 on free agency. Team thinks they've got a deal. He goes for a car ride with his wife. Boom, he's gone off to Columbus. I don't think he was planning on that either. Then the Matthew Kachuk fallout. So if there's maybe a, a bit of a complex in Edmonton about we got to lock guys up early. They might leave. They might not want to be here. Well, Calgary is very freshly into their scar tissue of star players leaving right away here. One off season after Johnny left and Matthew Kachuk said, you know what might be best if you move me. Uh, so the conversation surrounds number one center, Elias Lindholm. The conversation surrounds their top goal scorer, Tyler Toffoli, who's on a very team friendly deal at four and a quarter scoring what 35 goals last year. Uh, Michael Backlund, a Selkie-ish number two or three center, depending what team and where you slot him. He's a valuable part and considered a leader on this group. And then on the blue line, you've got four significant pieces as well. Noah Hannafin, who's extremely young getting to UFA, uh, a guy that eats massive minutes and is a top pair guy, but maybe doesn't put up the points, but penalty kill and big minutes five on five against the other team's best players is kind of what you're asking him to do and what he's done since he's arrived here in that massive Carolina blockbuster that uh, sent Dougie Hamilton the other way back in 2018. 
And then it, it doesn't stop there. It's the final year of Chris Tanev, the veteran shutdown defenseman. You also have Oliver Shillington returning from Sweden after taking a year away for reasons that we haven't really got clarity on. And Nikita Zadorov coming off a 14-goal season entering the last year of his contract that pays him a hair under four. So to say that major decisions we made this offseason would be an understatement given the caliber and importance, the minutes, the responsibilities that those seven combined players uh, you know, would control. If we were to slot those players maybe on a spectrum, and on one end, it's an absolute lock to be back, and on the other end, it's probably likely to be moved this summer. Could you give me one name that maybe sits on either side of that? Shillington's a lock, I would think. He's young and he's mobile, and you don't worry about aging, and I don't think it's a difficult contract to get done given that uh, you know, he's he's had one really good year. He's a depth guy, and he's been gone for a year. This isn't a difficult negotiation, I, I think. Uh, he wants to prove he's an NHLer and he's spent one year where he looked like a top four defenseman playing with Chris Tanev. And he's young. The, the fear here is that when you've got Kadri and Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Huberto locked into max term deals, you're going to get old real quick. So you've got to be cautious about who else you're going to carry into your 30s. And I think normally a list like this would look like most important to least important player, but that's not really how this works. They're over the cap and their most important piece, Elias Lindholm, and their second most important piece, Noah Hannafin. Those are the guys that are going to get you the most in terms of cap relief and assets back if you're going to move them this summer. So if you're Craig Conroy and you've just got this job and you've now named your new head coach yesterday, now what you have to deal with is, oh, Elias Lindholm, how badly do you want to be here? What dollar figure is it going to take? And by the way, if I feel any sort of trepidation and he's dragging his feet, doesn't want to sign something, I have to know gauge the other 31 teams and see what they value him as and weigh that in this matrix where I've got seven guys that I theoretically have to say, what are they worth on the market? What do they need to stay here while I'm managing a cap that we don't even have a firm number on yet? Is it going up 1 million? Are they going to smooth out this jump that we know is going to happen in two years? That's a big factor as well. If they're under the cap, maybe you keep more of them. If they're over, it makes it harder to move guys because other teams don't have as much cap. There is a huge, huge probability or a huge uh, permutation board here of things that could happen for the Flames. You mentioned uh, Craig Conroy, the new GM. He announced the new head coach in Ryan Huska. With the changes, both guy or both positions get filled internally. Is yeah. was the right move in your eyes? Were you surprised at all that both pieces ended up being internal hires? Well, I mean, it doesn't really matter what anyone thinks today. It, 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 we'll, we'll know if it's the right move by the deadline or by next summer or in two years' time. What it needs to be is the right move for this group. The, the team has chronically gone to first-time GMs and coaches more than I think you'd want them to. But that also doesn't mean that these weren't very strong candidates internally, and they weren't the only internal candidates. Mitch Love is back-to-back AHL Coach of the Year, had a phenomenal run in Saskatoon in the Western League before that. He's a candidate that's going to get some looks in other organizations, not just here. Uh, I, I know sometimes we fall in love with our own in terms of the markets that we cover, or if you're a fan of a team. And I, I heard you guys mentioning Keith Gretzky. It was like, oh yeah, safe, self-made man, Keith Gretzky. He's a total GM candidate. Only one market thought he was, and only one market was convincing themselves this guy was a GM. That's not quite what we're seeing here with Conroy. This is nine years that he's been a GM, 14 years since he retired where he's worked within the organization. And we know that he's an incredibly collaborative, great team. I want your opinion. I want your perspective. We want differing ideas. He can probably do better in that environment than we've seen other GMs here where it's like, lock the door. I'm doing this all myself. And if you have someone that's good at the cap and LTIR and that understands CBA interpretation and you've got really strong scouting people or you trust that 
you know, you and the coach can agree on personnel stuff. I think a lot of those things would put them ahead of where they were last year because it was clear that Bradshaw Living and Daryl Sutter were not on the same page. There was there was not like pulling the rope in the same direction. You would see a young player, a prospect called up and rot for three weeks and then get to make his NHL debut. Or it's two games and down. And you're like, this is the leading scorer in the American Hockey League. If he was from Viking in 6-3, you know he'd be in there. But, you know, it was not harmonious last year. And then I think the GM and the coach both had some responsibility in that and frankly, both paid with their jobs for that. Let's talk about philosophy a little bit and what Craig Conroy could be looking to do this summer. Let's say he gets into a position where, okay, yeah, Lindholm says I want to test free agency or Hanovan says that he wants to test free agency. If Conroy has to make those trades, do you think it's a lowercase Kachuk-esque move or he's trying to make a hockey deal and bring in help to make them as good as he can next year? Or because it's his first year at the helm, do you think he'll have more of a long-term view? Could he just be looking for first round picks, young NHL players, prospects, things like that. What you probably best case scenario, what you want to be able to do is both. So we talked about with Frank earlier today and uh, ad nauseum since we started looking at this busy off season with a lot of decisions. If you can serve both masters of getting younger and adding more speed, but also remaining competitive in the short term, that's a move that makes sense. So no, I don't see them moving Noah Hannafin for a first and two seconds like we saw in the Dougie Hamilton trade, like we saw in the Travis Hamannick trade, like we saw in the Hampus Lindholm trade. Like a first and two seconds feels like that's a ballpark for this type of player at this age, needing a contract. It's not set in stone, but you can work from there. Kind of like when you guys are talking about Leon and Connor. It's not going to be hard to figure out what to pay these guys. It's top of market for what they do. There seems to be a set rate of what you should get in trade, but the Flames aren't going to want a first and two seconds this year. I mean, They'd love one or two of those, but certainly not all three. They'd rather have a young player that can step in and, you know, make them a little younger, play with pace, maybe supplement some scoring issues. Or if you're going to move a defenseman, you might want a young defenseman to come in and, you know, not be Noah Hannafin, but hey, maybe you can play third pair. And, you know, that helps put us the puzzle pieces back together. If you can get younger and get some assets for the future while remaining competitive, you've hit a home run, but it's much more easily said than done. There's not a lot of teams that want to give away young, cost-controlled, speedy players. And that's probably what the Flames are really looking at. On a scale of 1 to 10, I'm switching gears here totally yeah. now. On a scale of 1 to 10, how dialed have you been into the Stanley Cup final? Have you been paying attention? Are you watching in every game? Or are you just kind of like, yeah, it's it's June 13th. I'm good without hockey. So I love round 1 and round 2. I think it's the absolute best. There's so much hockey. If there's a series or a game that's not grabbing you, great, go watch another or, you know, flip over to the other channel. Like there's so much. And, and just that whiplash you get from watching regular season hockey into the chaos. And like, I will run through a wall now. Yes. The pay chips have stopped, but now my give a fuck is way higher here. We're in the playoffs. Like I love that. And I, but, but I find fatigue by round three. And then we had what two, three Oh leads in round three. Like that was awful for the momentum. And I've been curious about the final. So I've, I've jumped in now and then, but you know, like to be fair, this is like, it's 30 degrees in Calgary. I'm, I'm not looking for TV viewing so much as like, I find like, ah, I better go inside and watch a period or two here. So it's kind of what happens when you move your championship into mid June, right? Like that's, if, if it's rainy in May, I'm, I'm dialed in. We're obviously very curious in Calgary with the Kachuk, Sam Bennett, even uh, Ryan Lomberg tie-ins to Florida. And Vegas is a divisional rival that I think everyone slept on all year, right? From preseason predictions all the way through, you know, uh, the, the commanding 1-1 lead the Oilers had going home. Uh, bleep around and find out. I don't know that the Oilers won one game since then. Like, it's 
I, we, 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 were, we all became Vegas fans a little more when they were playing Edmonton in this part of the province. You'd understand that. That's what makes rivalries great. Uh-huh. But I, 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 I was really hoping this would be a final that would stretch to six or seven, and it just hasn't looked competitive. You know, as much as Florida's had it within a goal late, it feels like it's kind of been smoke and mirrors that they even could win game three and that they were around in game four. If you count scoring chances or you just look at, you know, who's playing better hockey, it's been Vegas by a mile. It feels like it's over and it's just tougher to get into a series that feels over already. I just keep, I, I'm actually just trying to angle this into a baseball conversation, which is why I wanted you okay. to be like, no, I'm not watching the Stanley Cup finals. I'm watching the Blue Jays. Come I am on. excited to watch Jays. I, I love this time of year for that. And that it becomes a more competitive uh, time for eyeballs, whether it's kid baseball, the Jays, uh, you know, paying attention to, you know, golf's been great lately. We've got a major this weekend. My wife loves watching tennis. It's, I, I wish it, it just doesn't feel like if you started the playoffs, anyone would have called either of these guys heavy contenders. The Flames finished with more points than the Panthers. They got 950 goaltending for a month and everyone thought they were great. And it's like, it's just the goalie. And we all said, Vegas doesn't have a goalie. They can't win. win. And it turns out Aiden Hill is a goalie, or at least he is for two months. So I feel like if this was Boston, Colorado, we'd be so in on it. And maybe the games look the same, but it just felt like no one saw these guys coming. And as much as we love an underdog, it's just been lopsided for a month. We haven't had a close series. Yeah, it really has been a little disappointing from that perspective. Uh, thanks for hopping on the show today, man. We'll uh, hopefully see you at some point this summer. Hey, uh, Nash Vegas. Are we are we doing Nash Vegas? Oh, Will we see you? Going to Nashville. Now, have you been to Tennessee? I think I know a bunch of your your uh, entourage in Edmonton have been down there. Have you made the yeah, trip? I've been down to Nashville before for uh, for some hockey. So that is uh, five days in Nashville might kill me. Yeah, I'm doing less than five because I would die. I I would have to leave notes for my children and tell them I love them, but wish them goodbye and best of luck on earth as I ascend or descend, depending on your view of me to another place. Uh, we're going to do the, the tighter turn the Tuesday to Friday. And uh, yeah, I, I can't wait for the, the beautiful Shiner Bach to touch my lips. The incredible yellow label of my favorite Texas beer. Mm. Shiner Bach. Beautiful good. stuff. I'll buy you one. That's good stuff. I'm, I'm going to hold you to that. Uh, thanks for hopping on the show. I'll see you in 12 days or 13 days in Nashville. It's coming up quick. See ya. Have a good show. There you go. There's Ryan Pinder from Barnburner and Flames Nation. Also a big baseball guy. Um, yeah. Oh, man. I totally forgot I'm going to be seeing him in Nashville. Nashville is going to be a good time. AMA Travel. We're hitting the road again for the NHL Draft and the NHL Awards. Going to be doing a full week of shows live from Nashville, all courtesy of AMA Travel. Hit up AMA Travel. They can help you save on anything. Travel insurance, cruises, vacation packages, guided vacations, coach tours, hotels, car rental, attractions, tickets. Save on luggage and more by visiting amatravel.ca. Liam, Liam, are you there? I am here. What up? What do you think teams this offseason? Do you think this is a team that can legitimately improve themselves and put themselves back into the playoff contention next year? Uh, no. To be to be honest, I just think they're they're just one of those teams that. just in such limbo, right? Like the excuses obviously is the coach wasn't very good last season in Daryl Sutter. And it was a lot of changes. And I think those are all adaptable, but I don't know. Like, they're going to need a lot. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. To get better this season and... I just think it's really just time to maybe hit the reset button, not even fully go down, but like maybe just do like a, a St. Louis blues kind of reset where you just move out a couple of pieces. Like Panda mentioned, like you have a Hannafin and, and a, a Lindholm, like maybe just get some assets back and see if you can retool on the fly and go back. Cause everyone else in the division is kind of flying to be honest. Obviously you got Edmonton Vegas are likely going to win the Stanley cup sometime this week. The LA Kings look to be very aggressive. Vancouver, who really knows what they're going to be able to do. Seattle made the playoffs this season. Like it's a tough division. And I, if I was Calgary, I think I would take a look and see what we can kind of do to be good in a couple of years from now. I, I honestly think that would be my play too. Is just one of those. Okay, Lindholm, boom, first round pick, high end prospect. Hannafin, boom, first round pick, couple of second round picks. Maybe you hold on to a piece like Toffoli and just try to cash in on him at the deadline. If he's banked home 25 goals by that point or 20 goals at that point, Tanev would get you a haul at the deadline. Teams love spending big on pieces like Chris Tanev at the trade deadline. Backland, I think, is a guy like he might be their captain or something, right? Like maybe they hold on to Backland. I still can go, if you move four of those guys, you're getting at least four first round picks, I think, and then maybe even another asset on top of that. And it's like, get a bunch of 2024 picks. Next year at the draft, you never know who's going to be available. Dan mm-hmm. Vladar could get them a nice little return as well. You never know who's going to be available 12 months from now. All of a sudden, you got a bunch of draft capital, some prospects. You got this young core. You can turn things around quickly in today's NHL. It's just, it's the reality of it. And you look at Vegas, that team missed the playoffs. And granted, it was the next year they jumped back in. But the point is, you can go from one extreme to the other like pretty quick. You can go from disappointment to the the exact opposite of that. I'm at a loss for words right now. Um, <laughs> you can turn things around quickly in today's NHL. And I, I, yeah. I think that might be a decent way for Calgary to do it. I know some of you in the chat were like, why are you talking about the Flames? Who gives a shit? Hey, man, they're a division rival. And we got to get set for an offseason where I think there will be a lot of activity in the Pacific Division, but not a lot of it around the Edmonton Oilers. The Flames will be active. The LA Kings will be active. The Seattle Kraken will be active. You know, Vegas, I, I don't think they can do that much. You got San Jose and Anaheim who are kind of firmly in their rebuilds, but Vancouver will be active. You need to get a read on these kind of things because it directly it directly affects the Oilers' chances next season. I, I think a team like the, the Philadelphia Flyers are what Calgary don't want to become. 
a team that just hung on forever thinking like, man, if we just keep running it back, like our young guys will just keep getting better. And like, maybe these veterans will come in and change things up. And now here you are. And really, have they made any movement in the last six years or so? Like really? Like, so I think Margaret needs to really evaluate where they're at and not screw it up. I think is a good way to do it. Like you said, like it's very easy now in the NHL. There's a lot more talent coming through to be able to retool on the fly and, and keep the wheels moving. The Calgary can have a very competitive season next season. They could be, they could be what they were this season, really, right? Where you kind of keep your fans on the edge of the seat for the whole way, and you still got a decent pick in the draft. Boys, a fifteenth overall, fifteenth, sixteenth, like still good players get picked there. So I think, uh, I think Conroy will actually do a pretty good job there. I like what he's the stamp he's kind of put down, being like, hey, like if you don't want to be here, you let me know now because I will just move you on. We are not putting our fans through the fiasco that they had to go through last summer. And if I was a fan of the Calgary Lames, I would be pretty appreciative of that. Yeah, hundred uh, <laughs> percent. Big shout out to Pinder for joining us. We're going to go around every team in the division. We've crossed Vancouver and Calgary off the list. We'll work our way around all of it. Uh, let's get to our player grade today for Star Mechanical, Edmonton's number one plumbing and a heating company. You can find out more about them at starmechanical.ca. Yesterday was the big man, number 73. Vinny DeHarnay. Today we go up on one, just one number to Stuart Skinner, a guy who, I mean, the team made a bet on him, making him the backup goalie this year. Some would argue they should have made that bet six months earlier than they did, eight months earlier than they did. Got that shutout against the Sharks a couple years ago. Never saw the NHL again that season. And my argument will still be, and I said it at the time, you should have kept Stuart Skinner up and thrown Miko Koskinen in on waivers. You should have tried to figure out what you have in Stuart Skinner. Because if you would have, you may have saved yourself a Jack Campbell contract. If you had an inkling that Stuart Skinner at the end of the 21-22 season was capable of being a 1A or 1B, you might have handled last summer differently. They didn't do that. They bring Stuart Skinner in as the backup, and what does he do? Eight, six weeks into this season, it was like, shit, this is Stuart Skinner's crease. So for that reason right there, the fact that this guy is a rookie, was a rookie, nominated for the Calder, or a finalist for the Calder, made the All-Star team, started the bulk of the games and gave them some damn good stretches during the season and was largely consistent through the regular season as well. He gets an A grade for me in the regular season, Liam. There was one stretch that was slightly subpar, I think you could say. And it was right around the time where his wife welcomed their first child. Mm-hmm. To totally excuse a guy's play for slipping at a, at a moment like that. And then he got it right back on the rails and was lights out in the last 10 games of the regular season. A big reason why they got home ice in round one and a big reason why they were able to beat the Kings. He gets an A for the regular season. I don't think you can argue that, right? I my only argument would be I would give him an an A plus. But I mean, okay. whatever. Right? I just think the expectations coming into this season were so unknown with him, and then he comes in, and now he's a call to finalist, gets on the All Star team. Basically, the reason I I think outside of the big two, like he was the other's MVP this season. Without him, I truly don't know where this team would have been. Yeah, he was. He saved their season early on when Jack Campbell was really, really struggling. The playoff grade. Here's what the chat's saying: Sergeant Battle says B plus. Uh, Chell Iverson actually 100 agree. Lance says he should wins the he should win the Calder. The playoffs. I'm giving him a C plus just because he was really not good. Like there were a lot of pucks in that run that he should have stopped. He got what yanked four times over the course of the yeah. playoffs. 
touchdowns over the course of the playoffs. It was not good, but that's not entirely his fault either is kind of what I wanted to say here too. Like when, when did he ever have to start 12 consecutive games? It was a mistake to keep rolling them out there. Game six against Vegas should have been Jack Campbell. You could make an argument that it almost could have been Jack Campbell earlier in that series as well. The first time he got yanked, I just think he got overplayed. And I think it's a lesson they need to learn heading into next season is, hey, come playoff time, maybe you need to have a bit of a quicker trigger finger to go to your backup. And it's not even like a you go to Jack Campbell and you can never go back to Stuart Skinner for the playoff run. You could have flip-flopped. There's nothing saying you can't. I know Minnesota got bounced, but like Minnesota did do that. They were ready to go back and forth between the two for a bit. So I think they just overplayed him. It's a shame. He had to play a lot of hockey this year. I am honestly not blaming the guy at all for getting a little bit burnt out towards the end. But goaltending was a big reason why they got eliminated and you need to grade him accordingly. So that's why I went C+. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of with you. CC plus, I don't think getting pulled four times is ever a good thing. But like you said, like... Everything involved in it, like 50%, why is it? 33% on Skinner, 33% on the defense, 33% on the coaching staff. So joint effort in what kind of ruined a great season for Stuart Skinner in, in a variety of ways. So yeah, I, I give him an A plus on the season and a C plus in the playoffs. And I agree 100% of uh, sticking around for next season and many, many more moons to come. I know people love to be like, oh, would you trade him for Carter Hart? Come on. Stuart Skinner signed you a beautiful contract for the next three years, man. If this guy, and I fully expect this to be the case, he'll be your number one for the next three years. And there could be a point, year three of that deal, man. The cap could be 90 some million and he's making 2.2 million bucks. That's mm-hmm. unbelievable value. Like the Jack Campbell contract is not great. But when you're only spending 7.2 on your two goalies, if you can get a bounce back from Campbell next season, I saw someone ask that question. I think he will bounce back to some extent next year. Spending 7.2 million on a good 1A, 1B combo is a really nice spot to be in. Yeah. It's uh it's gonna be beneficial for this team if both of them both of them hit it off. A team that's struggling to find money in most places. I don't think goaltending is gonna be an issue financially, that's for sure. Lance says, screw heart, we are a skinner city. And yeah, man, I mean, homegrown, hometown NHL guy <laughs> who he drafted and who blossomed into a number one last year. How could you absolutely not love Stuart Skinner and what he brought to this team? And I'm excited to see what he does in year two of his NHL career because I think the Oilers got a good one here in uh, in Stuart Skinner. Uh, AMA travel trade machine time, Liam. Also, if you're watching on the Oilers Nation YouTube and you haven't hit the like button yet, what are we at? What are we at? 30 likes, Liam. There's 123 of you watching the show. Hammer the like button on the Oilers Nation YouTube uh, today. I, I mean, I guess over the last kind of 24 hours, we've been hearing a lot of smoke about Scott Lawton, another guy in Philly who apparently could be on the move. Three more years, three million bucks. A solid defensive centerman who can chip in with a little bit of offense. I view him as like a finishing piece for a team. I don't know if he's a fit in Edmonton because they don't need help down the middle. You got Drysaddle, McDavid, you can move Nuge over. You got Ryan McLeod, Derek Ryan could even slide over in a pinch if you need him. You're probably good on centers if you're the Oilers. Not a fit here. But for a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think Scott Lawton could be a perfect fit. That cap hit is low. They need players who are reliable at five on five. They, they can easily afford him. But what's the return the other way? Here's what the trade machine cooked up. I heard this on Leafs Morning. Take a little bit. There may have to be other pieces involved. 
but Nick Robertson straight up for Scott Lawton. With the emergence of Matthew Nyes, maybe the Leafs are a little bit more open to trading a prospect like Nick Robertson because they have a better young winger now in their system. Robertson has been banged up throughout his career. You cash that in for Scott Lawton and get a legitimate piece to add to your top nine. Liam, who says no? I don't know. And I know that's very, very unhelpful, but I, I was very torn on this deal, Tyler, because Scott Lawton, obviously the, the contract is very, very nice for him, but I just don't know. Maybe, I guess neither of them. I don't know. It's It's a tough one to say. I just think, Scott Lawn, very valuable player, but also does Toronto need the cap friendly player in, in a Nick Robertson for another season? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Scott Lawn's cap friendly too, though, right? Like if, yeah. if you're going, yeah. I'm in. Tyler Mulek says decent trade. Chell says couldn't care less. Uh, Lance <laughs> says I can see it happening. Seems lackluster. So uh, the reviews are in on today's AMA travel trade machine. Check them out. AMA travel. .ca. Uh, our Betway Other Sports Report. Well, we'll stick with hockey, actually, for a second, Liam. Uh, game 5, Stanley Cup Final tonight. Are you wagering on the Florida Panthers keeping this thing alive, or do you think it's done? I I think if I was going to put money on this, I I do have a weird feeling about Florida to just at least get it back to Florida, mostly because that's what my heart wants. Um I don't know if it gets much further than six, if it even gets that far. So I, I'll say that the Panthers keep it alive tonight. But Tyler, I'm very curious. Have you looked into the U.S. Open? I have not looked into the U.S. Open odds yet. I'll, I'll have a little bit on that tomorrow on the show. I'll probably start doing my research there. You know I love a good golf major, so I will be invested in the U.S. Open over uh, <laughs> over on Betway. As far as tonight, I actually like two shot props. Sam Bennett has hit it in 10 of his last 11 games, and you can almost get him at plus money. Mark Stone's hit it in three or four so far in the series. Both those guys missed it last game. I like them to bounce back here in game five and both nail their shot props in this one, but I don't think I can pick a side here, Liam. I just, I I, I could see they're pesky, man. Florida came back mm. from down to the Bruins. They can do it. They should have a high sense of belief. But Makachuk <clears throat> is banged up. There's a couple other guys there who might not be at 100%, and I just think, Vegas in that building, the way it'll be rocking this evening. Yeah. Oh man. And the party that could be coming if they win it in Vegas. I almost want Vegas to win tonight because I want to see the spectacle of a championship being won in their home barn. Yeah, that would be that would be a special thing. I was thinking it was, oh, it'd be nice if it was a weekend for them, but I don't think it really matters if you're in Vegas, if it's Monday or Saturday, to be honest. It's uh it's go time when you need to go. Yeah. Uh, Blue Jays in action tonight. Talked about that a little bit with uh, Mr. Ryan Pinder. It's going to be Chris Bassett on the bump for Toronto as they start a big three-game set against the Baltimore Orioles. Dean Kramer going for the O's in this one. The Jays have actually been on a decent little run as of late, even though they lost uh, their series to the Twins over the weekend. Seven and three in their last 10. This is a big week for the Toronto Blue Jays. Big series against the Baltimore Orioles. You know me, I'm a big Jays guy. Also, Edmonton Riverhawks in their home opener tonight down at Remax Field, which is where uh, Aaron joins us uh, from the show. Aaron is producing from Remax Field today, which is a wildly impressive feat. Technology, Liam, it's something. It's a crazy little thing. Hey, there you are. (laughs) Riverhawks winning this game tonight or what? Who are they playing? Also, you're muted. Classic. Technical, technical difficulties. <laughs> and of course, I'm predicting a win tonight. We're playing the Cam Loops North Paws home, home opener for the Riverhawks. So 
expect a pretty big turnout here tonight. And yes, to everyone in the chat, I did some research. We have 30,000 beer bats on site. <laughs> Apparently, they're all stacked up somewhere. So they are for sale tonight. And we will be doing some fun little uh, contests with them. So uh, if you come on out, have a great time. I'm up in the booth. Come say hi. Okay. Are you by the field right now, Aaron? Yeah, I'm literally looking out at the field right now. I'm in the press box right now. Let's see. Okay. Give me a moment. Give me a moment. It's like going to unplug our internet. We're going to lose our connection. We might have just lost Aaron, actually. Oh, that might be the end of that. Well, yeah. it was fun. What was it last? Time? Good chat, Aaron. <laughs> oh, wait, I think I can, I can do this. Ready? Oh. Could you see it at all? Could you no, see it? No, Aaron. We didn't no. see it. You froze up. You froze completely. Very awkward. We're, we're not doing it. We're not doing right, it. There you go. River, River Hawks home over. <laughs> beer bats, Edmonton. Can you put them back by the end of the season? I say yes. I uh, love the local sports scene here in the city over the summer. Can't wait to get out to a River Hawks game. Uh, shout out to our friends at Betway again, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. And that is going to be a wrap on today's edition of the show, live from the Sports Closet Studio. Tomorrow, Wednesday, Frank Saravalli for our friends at Star Mechanical, a brand new. Sherwood Ford Giant off-season question for Sherwood Ford, the Giant. Also, a new AMA travel trade machine as well. Plenty of stuff going on this week as we continue our off-season editions of the show. Enjoy your Tuesday night. Enjoy Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final. We'll talk tomorrow. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.